Blog Talk Radio. This episode of Attention Talk Radio is brought to you by children and adults with attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. Welcome to Attention Talk Radio, your ADHD information station where we help those with ADHD pay attention to attention. With your host, ADHD and attention coach, Jeff Topper. Good evening, everyone. Welcome to this edition of Attention Talk Radio. I'm your host, ADHD and attention coach, Jeff Copper, and we have a show for you tonight. ADHD, marijuana, THC, weed, cannabis, facts. With us in our virtual studio is the Dr. Roberto Olivardia. He's one of my all-time favorites. He's a very studied individual, and he has a way of taking things that are nebulous or complicated and boil them down into simplicity in ways that we can all understand. Before we get on to the show, our program is being brought to you tonight by children and adults with attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. And in celebration of that event, we are excited to give away free digital copies of Attention Magazine. In order to get yours, all you have to do is listen to our show. Uh, we'll share a secret word a couple times through the show. Write it down. Listen to another show. Listen for that secret word. Write that down. Then send me an email with the two secret words written down. And the email address is attention at attentiontalkradio.com. And when I get it, I'll forward on to Chad. We'll get you a PDF copy of the current issue of Attention Magazine, and they'll send you a PDF copy of the next version when it is in print. Again, we are very grateful for having uh, the support of Chad. We have a tip that we're going to run, and we will get into the show. Do you have questions about managing ADHD? Do you need to find a doctor to diagnose or treat ADHD? Or are you looking for a therapist or an ADHD coach? How about support groups? Chad's National Resource Center on ADHD has health information specialists who can provide you with helpful resources. Call 1-866-200-8098, Monday through Friday, 1 to 5 p.m. Eastern Time. Thank you so much, Chad, for your continued support. For those that are not aware, Chad is the largest not-for-profit organization that advocates on behalf of those with ADHD. We encourage all of our listeners to either donate or become members to support Chad. Financial stability is really important for them to have the resources to have people lobbying uh, on Capitol Hill for the ADHD community and working with different regulatory agencies on wording to make sure that uh, those with ADHD get the accommodations that they need in order to thrive. Again, for more information, to donate or to uh, become a member, go to chadd.org. Okay, so again, Dr. Roberto Olivario is our virtual guest tonight. Uh, we've done many shows with him. He's exceptionally articulate, and I think that uh, I think that you'll enjoy the show tonight. He's a lecturer of psychology at Harvard Medical School. He maintains a private psychotherapy practice in Lexington, Massachusetts, where he specializes in the treatment of attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, body dysmorphic disorder, and obsessive compulsive disorder. He also specializes in the treatment of eating disorders in boys and men. He's the co-author of Condus Complex, a book which details various manifestations of body image problem in men. He has presented at many uh, talks and conferences around the country, including uh, CHAD conferences annually. He sits on the Scientific Advisory Board of Attitude Magazine, on the Pro- Professional Advisory Board of, of CHAD, ADA, and the National Association for Males with Eating Disorders. And with that, Dr. Olivario, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, as always, Jeff. I, I got to tell you something. I have been I'm so excited about doing this show with you for a couple reasons. Number one, marijuana and ADHD is really a hot topic that's out there. But number two is you're always so really really good at articulating things in very simple fashion. 
Um, with the with cannabis, marijuana, weed, whatever you want to call it, out there and becoming more prevalent, whether it's medical use or um, or recreational use, there's a lot of people out there that are talking about this as it's helping their ADHD. And first, I want to understand, to my knowledge, we don't have any research right now that shows that it has a direct impact on ADHD. Is that an accurate statement or is, is it have some tangential benefits? So let me, let me sort of clarify a couple interesting things you said. So first is that when we say medical use, um, the truth is that there are very few things that are FDA approved for um, medical marijuana. So one are some pediatric epilepsies, form of epilepsies, uh, chemotherapy-induced nausea and vomiting, and people who are in the wasting uh, medical syndromes of HIV. Those are the things okay. that are FDA approved for medical marijuana. Everything other than that, when culturally people are using, oh, I'm using this for medical use, that's a misnomer that they're not using it for medical use. They might be self-medicating, which is very different than a, an actual medication. Now, on the other part that you said, does it have a direct impact on ADHD? Yes, it has a direct impact on ADHD. However, not in positive ways, um, that it absolutely impacts um, the presentation of ADHD symptoms in making them worse in the long term, um, and particularly for people who are um, prior to the age of, for people with ADHD, I would say prior to the age of about 28, because we know that the, the brain and particularly the frontal lobes of the brain um, mature into somebody's early to mid-20s. And we know for people with ADHD, that can be into their mid to late 20s, that there is significant neurological impact, a negative impact to the brain with uh, cannabis use. So I want to... First of all, I'm going to say this out there to get your perspective. It's, it's, I want to go back to an old paradigm. It's my understanding that nicotine can help a person focus. In fact, I have heard that different organizations have experimented with nicotine, like a nicotine patch, in order to provide an alternative to stimulant medications to help, help people with ADHD. But it hasn't really happened because they're having some difficulty titrating the the nicotine in order for that to happen. Have you heard anything about that? Is that accurate or inaccurate to your knowledge? So, yeah, I mean, I think nicotine absolutely has that effect. Um, nicotine is a stimulant. And so mm -hmm. you would find that there are um, people with ADHD, which is why, you know, people with ADHD are, are at higher risk for nicotine dependence, whether that's mm -hmm. a form of cigarettes or, or dipping. Um, and But it doesn't mean it's good for you. So it yes. might have these these sort of symptoms, just like with ADHD, you know, I have patients who say it helps me sleep, I'm, I'm more focused, yep. I'm less bored, it makes things more fun, it slows down my racing ADHD brain. All those things are correct, that it, it does do all of those things, and it's not good for their brain. Yep. So the reason I'm bringing this up is that, everybody, I know we don't have research on this. This is just a Jeff Copper hypothesis, and that is back in the 60s and stuff where we smoked, Everybody smoked a lot back in those days. One, those with ADHD, yeah. you know, were more apt to do it at an earlier age, et cetera. And there's a, the dependent side of it. But there's also that notion that they were rewarded for higher level of performance and focus because nicotine helps. And I've actually had people that I've coached before that they smoke a lot when they're trying to write. And the issue 
really is, is it, it appears to be good, but we know there's like a lot of long-term negative consequences at smoking. And that's the kind of the angle that I really kind of want to talk about today because people, people that are doing this, there's the, 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 the fact, but there's a lot of things that are not going on that people are not aware of that I really wanted to kind of walk through and have you bring this to people's awareness because if, you, if it's not happening, you don't know what's happening, you're not aware of it because there, there's, there's a lot here. And so does that make a little sense? Have I framed that out incorrectly or does that a, a, a interesting parallel model that that it might seem like it's doing something but long term it's actually creating other problems absolutely and and i think i mean this is the sort of example of short-term kind of effects or gratification versus Mm long-term risk and um you know we see this in in multiple kind of you know things where um you know you have individuals and with cannabis again that people will report, oh, how can this be a problem? I'm having all of these, you know, benefits from it. Now, one is that the, the, the symptoms that we see, like there is research showing how cannabis is uh, not good for your heart in that it can dilate blood vessels. It can, you know, uh, actually feed the rate of heart, um, of your heart rate over time. Um, the risk of heart attack is, you know, higher an hour after smoking. Um, but it's, a lot of times when you're dealing with, so in, in medical data, when we talk about positive and negative symptoms, what we mean by that are the positive symptoms are things that we're seeing that are pathological, that are symptomatic. Um, and, but what's often difficult is when you have a substance, in this case, in which there are often more negative symptoms. And I don't mean negative as in bad, which I do mean that, but in a medical terminology, negative is the absence of things. And it's hard when people self-report around the effect that cannabis might have on them. They're going to, often, especially people with ADHD, might report these benefits that they have, but it's hard for them to report on things that they don't know aren't happening. And so, for example, what we know about the brain is that there's a wealth of research showing how cannabis will decrease motivation over time um, that actually leads to memory impairment that makes attentional focus more difficult. Um, the processing speed of individuals um, slowed down, their ability to learn, their reaction time, um, their affect in terms of emotional expression, their ability to pursue, uh, pursue time. It reduces impulse control. Now, these are for everybody who smokes cannabis or, or eats or, you know, however they take in the, the cannabis. Now, if you have, imagine an ADHD individual and all of what we know about the ADHD brain and, and the, the shows that you've done, um, you know, from experts who you've interviewed, mm-hmm. that the ADHD brain is already a vulnerable brain. And all of those things I just mentioned, um, executive yeah. functioning, um, motivation. And so now you have a vulnerable brain that already has issues with those things, introducing a substance that in the short term might perhaps, yes, maybe it does enable somebody to focus and enable somebody to get to sleep and ground them. But what it's doing over time is degrading their ability to do those kinds of things, which then leads an already vulnerable brain to be that much more executively dysfunctional. Wow. Tell you what, 
just for time purposes, I want to hold that thought and kind of come because there's a lot there that I want to kind of start delving into. But let's go to a break real quick. Everybody, our secret word tonight is cannabis. Again, our secret word is cannabis. And Dr. Oliver, are you still okay if we give out your email address for people that have questions? Absolutely. It's uh, Roberto, R-O-B-E-R-T-O underscore Olivardia, O-L-I-V-A-R-D-I-A at H-M-S dot harvard dot edu excellent with that we'll be right back after these messages your life your world your choice this is attention talk radio are you always late the time timer is an award-winning time management solution that's helped millions of people with adhd manage life better as time passes time timers bright red disc disappears Visit Timetimer.com and use the discount code ATR for 15% off. Transform lives as a professionally trained ADHD coach at the ADD Coach Academy. ADHD coaching is in demand, a calling, and a career. Learn how you can change lives by going to ADDCA.com slash ATR. That's ADDCA.com slash ATR. Managing ADHD is about pausing before you ponder and proceed. This opportunity to practice pausing is being brought to you by digcoaching.com. And now, back to Attention Talk Radio. Welcome back, everybody. We're here with one of our favorites to interview, Dr. Roberto Olivardia. We're having a conversation about ADHD uh, cannabis. Um, We're kind of talking before the break, just kind of using smoking as a little bit of a metaphor or parallel, but what – is really, I think, enlightening here is, is as you described, kind of what's not going on with regard to self-report and what you really hit before we went to the break is over time, marijuana use can lead to a decrease of motivation over time, a reduction of memory. I presume that would include short-term, long-term, and working memory, and self-regulation, which when we boil ADH down in its most fundamental components, these are the challenges. So you're taking a substance – with a condition that's already impaired and making it worse. Is that, am I misrepresenting that? Is that, is that accurate? That's absolutely correct. And in addition to that, you know, we know that it's the rule rather than the exception that most people with ADHD have often associated conditions like anxiety or depression or bipolar disorder or, um, you know, learning disabilities. And what we know is that uh, cannabis also exacerbates um, all of those issues, anxiety, depression, and so which makes going to make life a lot more difficult. And it's important, too, to keep in mind that, you know, with brains, before they're fully formed, you know, there is damage that could be irreversible. Uh, and so that's very important. And we're seeing rates of cannabis usage in younger people more than we ever have before. So we're going to start seeing data 20 years from now of people – who start using cannabis at 10, 11, which I've seen, um, and using high THC cannabis, because that's another thing yep. to keep in mind is that we're not talking about your grandfather's weed, <laughs> or great grandfather's weed <laughs> in, in the 50s and 60s. That, you know, just to give you an example, Jeff, like in the early 1990s, the average THC content, and that's the psychoactive substance of cannabis, was about 3.8% in the early 90s. In 2014, it was about 12%. So it's quadrupled in that time. And that's just with people who might be smoking weed. Now, there are different ways that 
the uh, THC can be extracted in things called dabbing or waxing. Um, and in those cases, you can have THC in edibles up to 50%. And wow. there are fairs, cannabis fairs, in which there are contests to try to get the most THC in a gummy bear or in something like that that could exceed 80%. And wow. so I've had patients who have had psychotic episodes eating edibles that might have 75, 80% of weed. And we have to keep in mind, that's almost, I want people to almost, to understand that's like a different substance in the brain that you yes. know, it really, we, we almost need a different name for it because something that's 3.8% THC is incredibly different than something that's 50% THC. It's the difference between me flicking you, you know, with my finger and punching you in the shoulder with a hammer. Like it's a totally different experience. Wow. So I want to go back to something. Um, Recently I was coaching an individual in their twenties and they finally decided to abstain from smoking cannabis after a long period of time. And in working with them, it was interesting because I was explaining to them the role working memory plays in ADHD. And uh, when it comes to procrastination, Dr. Oliver, one of the things I focus on a lot is, you know, let's get rid of the emotion, quit calling ourselves a procrastinator because that's an emotional label you're putting on yourself. It doesn't do any good. And I found that 80% of procrastination is typically rooted in ambiguity or your working memory is overburdened. Either way, you kind of get to the same place. And if you don't do anything about the ambiguity or the overburden, you really just sit there and spin your wheels. And I was working with this individual about talking out loud and externalizing these things in order to kind of go forward. And what was interesting, we began to talk about how not addressing what they're doing, procrastinating, they would they'd want to escape when they had lots of anxiety last minute. And they would go smoke marijuana and would calm them down in, in that moment didn't solve the problem per se, but it just, it was an escape for them out of it. And they weren't actually addressing or struggling with some of the things that, that I was helping with coaching. Since they've stopped, we've had a profound impact, but this is interesting to me because the way the person described it is it was a, an escape to help with their anxiety, but you're saying that actually increases anxiety long-term. Is that right? Absolutely. Because what that person is doing is they're self-medicating. I mean, they're numbing yep. themselves in a way that if we were talking about alcohol, Jeff, that, you know, if we were saying, okay, this person had three glasses of wine and they calmed down and they were relaxed, you know, we wouldn't say that's a long-term, that's a good coping mechanism that we would say, okay, I, I don't doubt that that person was calm because that's why people, I mean, people don't do a substance unless it's doing something for them. And we know that an ADHD brain is at higher risk for any kind of addictive behavior. And so cannabis is, you know, the most widely abused, um, you know, I was about to say illegal, but it's not illegal in many states, um, substance for people with ADHD. So absolutely that it, it, it is having that effect and it's very powerful, but it's not helping that person just like yep. alcohol wouldn't. And, and what makes cannabis, and when I would use that analogy, I mean, most people would agree if I use the wine example, um, but the difference now with, with cannabis, although alcohol is legal as well, um, is that can, there's part of why I'm very passionate about talking about this, is, and I've seen with just young patients that I work with, is the marketing of it has, put, has been put out there that, one, in terms of the legalization, gives it a sense of legitimacy that it's okay um, to mm-hmm. take, um, and that's, that's not the case. 
And um, also this idea that it has a sort of medicinal label to it, that it's actually good for you, is that surpasses sort of the messaging around alcohol because alcohol is legal, but alcohol, you know, we all, no one's going to say, oh, alcohol is medicinal. Like nobody sort of thinks about it in, in that way. So that's why when I use the analogy of the wine, people would be like, oh no, that would, that wouldn't be a good coping mechanism, but there's vast marketing and particularly to younger generations that tell them that, you know, this is good for you and that people who are older, you know, it's like the okay boomer kind of label are, are out of touch that they're not understanding. And, you know, frankly, it wasn't until I really delved into this literature and really, you know, read these studies and really educated myself on what these THC levels are and what's happening in the brain. It's, it's alarming. I mean, and I, I, and you know, you know, from other shows we've done, Jeff, I don't, speak of things unless I know what the science is and what the scientific literature is. And so to me, I feel like we're kind of conned, frankly, in in this messaging around cannabis. Number one, I can vouch for him. I love Dr. Oliver. He knows his shit. (laughs) Excuse me for my profanity, but I use that as punctuation (laughs) in this situation. Um, For time purposes, I want to go to break. And when we come back, You've talked about this before. I think it would be helpful for us to understand the difference between medicinal and self-medicating. So, everybody, we're going to talk about it when we come yeah. back. Our, um, our secret word tonight is cannabis. And for those that are interested and want to reach out to Dr. Olivardia, his uh, email address is roberto underscore olivardia at hms.harvard.edu. And with that, we'll be right back after these messages. You're listening to Attention Talk Radio. We'll return in a moment. Your life, your world, your choice. This is Attention Talk Radio. Do you worry when your child is left out? Does your child have trouble making and keeping friends? Life skills can be challenging for ADHD kids. Learn how you can be your child's greatest ally by reading the book Ned Hollowell described as a game changer. Michelle Borba referred to as the ultimate guide for parents. And Michael Thompson praised as the groundbreaking book you've been waiting for. Go to playbetterplan.com to buy a copy of Caroline McGuire's book, Why Will No One Play With Me? While you're there, subscribe to download her free mini course on developing social skills for children. That's playbetterplan.com. Change your life by learning more about managing ADHD. Other places give you a few tips. The ADD Coach Academy will change your life. To find out more, go to addca.com slash ATR. That's addca.com slash ATR. Are you always late? The Time Timer is an award-winning time management solution that's helped millions of people with ADHD manage life better. As time passes, Time Timer's bright red disc disappears. Visit timetimer.com and use the discount code ATR for 15% off. Could hiring an attention coach really help you move forward? (laughs) Does a child get wet when they dive into a swimming pool? You can get started moving forward today. Just call Dig Coaching Practice at 813-837-8084 and schedule a free consultation. Tell us you heard about us on Attention Talk Radio and get 50% off your discovery session. For more information, visit digcoaching.com. Don't delay. Do it today. And now... Back to Attention Talk Radio. 
Welcome back, everybody. We're having a great conversation with Dr. Roberto Olivardio on cannabis. Before the break, I teed this up. Uh, can you first of all, what's the difference between medicinal and self-medicating? Yeah, so with um, medicinal, we're talking about a, uh, a, a medicine that is going to be overseen and prescribed by uh, a medical professional in which there is uh, a wealth of research showing that this is something that could be helpful to an individual, either because there's something that is not working in their body or their brain the way that uh, we would want it to, um, that could lead to a level of impairment. And when they take the medications as, as prescribed, they're able to uh, function more optimally and they're more authentic self. Um, so they're not moving away from things, they're moving towards those things and really kind of expressing um, their, their potential and expressing sort of the aspects of themselves that they feel are sort of clouded over by whatever issue is getting in their way. Um, with self-medicating, that's different in the sense that it's um, obviously not overseen, you know, by, by a, a medical provider and in a way that is meant to sort of numb or um, kind of avoid or move away from something that doesn't, you know, feel right. Um, mm -hmm. It often doesn't have somebody in their most sort of authentic, optimal state that even though, let's say, it might, um, you know, decrease maybe if somebody, let's say, uh, smokes uh, cannabis to decrease their anxiety, that maybe, yes, it works at reducing your anxiety, and it's also decreasing their motivation. So that's not their mm -hmm. optimal uh, self. That's not their authentic self. Um, so it leads to somewhat of an altered state. Um, in addition, self-medicating uh, can easily lead to addiction. And, you know, contrary to popular belief, you can be addicted to cannabis, that there is, again, this myth and misconception. Now, 40 years ago, the rates of addiction and dependence on mar marijuana was very, very low. Um, now, again, with these higher THC levels, that they, about 9 to 10% of adults and about 18% of children and adolescents, and, I, you know, and again, with ADHD individuals, we know that the brain matures a little bit later, that almost 20% of people are, are, have a physical dependence with withdrawal symptoms you know, with cannabis. Wow. Um, now, although we can't die from an overdose per se, but you can't overdose um, on, on cannabis in the sense that, you know, ERs will tell you that they're seeing a higher rate of psychotic um, induced episodes from people with high, you know, THC um, levels. But the, the real issue is, is this substance enabling you to learn a coping mechanism. So, for example, when I work with someone with obsessive compulsive disorder and they're on a, a medication, an SSRI, um, to help them with the OCD, that's not just numbing them from their OCD symptoms. That's now enabling them to do the work that I might be doing with them, the sort of more cognitive, the behavioral work, to learn mm -hmm. the skills, to learn the strategies, that they're, if their OCD was so severe that they wouldn't even be able to avail themselves to that, then the medication is helping them control the symptoms to a degree that now they can learn these coping mechanisms and coping skills. With self-medication, there's no learning taking place. There is somebody who's numbing. And, and let me be clear, Jeff, that I – um, I, I'm, I'm an ally to the recovery movement. I have people in my life that are 
um, have been through addiction. And so I don't want to moralize this issue that I don't have anything against people that, that use cannabis, that I I'm very much care about them in the sense that I don't want this issue and, and that's another problem in our country is that we moralize addiction as like, oh, these are bad people or they're doing or they're stupid people or it's not that. It's that there is this substance is very powerful and it's very difficult for people when they have that kind of effect to sort of move away from it. So I get it. I get why people with ADHD in particular are drawn to this. But at the same time, they're not learning these coping mechanisms yeah. that are making any of those things easier for them. So. My big learning, my my big overarching learning, because I've got I've had a, a few videos that I've done on Attention Talk video that were shot like in 2013, 2014 that go way back, and I get a lot of comments on those. But as I described earlier, self-medicating in the individual I talked about, like they get anxiety and they're taking the cannabis as an escape. They're not learning how to deal with the situation that's at hand. They're just escaping from it. Whereas if you were under the the guise of a physician and there was something there and it was really controlled and it was done the right way, if if it could be done the right way, which is to is to move them forward. And so I'm hearing that a lot of the resp- comments that I'm getting from these other things are self-reports and people maybe escaping the situation that are not moving themselves forward. It feels good, but it's like fool's gold. It's actually creating more of a problem. So as it goes back to the beginning, it's not what's happening. It's really what's not happening. It's the invisible stuff that's going on. So and did I, am I misrepresenting that or is that kind of boiled down? Because again, I get these comments all the time and I, they're, they're saying this is really good, but it's like it's a false sense of security. Is that right? It absolutely is, and and that's what I, I find so um, is so problematic about it. Because you know when I work with people who have dependence on cocaine or, or alcohol or other substances, that um, you know we know that it can be difficult for anybody who's engaged in that sometimes to see the reality of how it's hurting them. Um, mm-hmm. But there is definitely a different sort of dimension with cannabis because. Yeah, people, I mean, there was a study in 2016 um, that looked at a sample of Internet posts of people who use cannabis, and about a quarter of them endorsed it as a treatment. And so the idea that, you know, whereas, like, I've never worked with someone who's addicted to cocaine that says it's a treatment. You know, they might say, <laughs> oh, this is, you know, when they're in the early stages of denial around the addiction, they might say, oh, this isn't that bad, but no one will say crystal meth or cocaine is a treatment or alcohol is a treatment. So that's what's dangerous about this is that it's being put in this category. And again, you know, for, because there is a tremendous amount of marketing, um, you know, coming from, you know, cannabis, um, the cannabis industry to, to tout it as that. And so, yeah, I mean, again, I don't deny any of those effects, those short-term effects that people are getting. Much like I wouldn't deny, you know, from somebody who uses cocaine that they feel great um, and euphoric and sexy and really creative. Um, that doesn't, and we can all agree, that doesn't mean it's good for you. Yeah. So one of the things that I've learned over the years about ADHD, and I, there's, a, there's a quote that I love to share that I really think I kind of encapsulates what I really the show is about. And the, the quote goes, the sun does not rotate around the earth. But without without the right technology, it looks like it does. 
And so mm. I think a lot of people metaphorically is it, you know, it feels like it's a benefit, but with the right technology, you can realize it's actually not. And, 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 and sharing what's not happening and what's going on in the background to, to bring an awareness and education was the goal of our show. And Dr. Alalardi, I really think that you, you brought it out for those that want to hear the message. I think there's some that just don't want to hear the message and they're going to argue otherwise because they don't want to hear the message. But I really appreciate you coming on the show. Any last thoughts or tidbits to share before we wrap this up? Just in, in general, you know, I, I just hope that people can hear, you know, again, that I'm not coming from – a, um, you know, I'm a child of the 80s where, you know, Nancy Reagan said they know and, and the commercials of this is your brain on drugs showing the eggs in the frying pan. And, 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 and I'm not a pr- promoter, certainly, of, of drug use. But, you know, I could see that there was some hyperbole in a lot of those, you know, messaging and, and things like that. Um, but the truth is I, I don't want people or rather I do want people to understand this is not um, me coming from a place of, of being dramatic or, or having hyperbole, that this is real scientific research. And what I'm uh, concerned about is that we have a generation of people who are starting at a very young age with, you know, vaping, smoking, dabbing, and high THC. And we're going to see the effects of that 20 years from now. I mean, there's, there was a study in 2012 that was a large longitudinal study in New Zealand that found that cannabis use disorder in adolescence was associated with the loss of about eight IQ points measured in mid-adulthood. Yep. So those who heavily used as teenagers, you know, were, have, they lost IQ points. I mean, it's literally making people less intelligent. But that makes sense considering what we're looking at, all yep. the things I mentioned before. It's lessening all their executive functions. Yeah. So I, I just it's, hope that people can just rethink that, their relationship with cannabis. I want to emphasize there's a whole stuff that we, Dr. Olivardi knows that we haven't talked about, about uh, the effects of cannabis early age. And we haven't really covered a lot of that. Maybe we'll do that in our show. But I want to come back to the, one of the, I think one of the key points here, and that is those with ADHD – there's a high correlation between that and addictive behavior. And we know from recent research that Dr. Um, Russell Barkley has released that suggests that the life expectancy for people with ADHD are eight to 20 years less than the general population. And they're measuring 14 things that impact life expectancy. Five of them you can't do anything about, like uh, intelligence, et cetera. But the nine others that you can – the first tier of variable might be your diet or something, but all of them, what they all have in common is self-regulation. And because of that fact, he's starting to frame ADHD as a public health issue, not an individual because of that. And coming back around is while the show is really about this particular crowd is more susceptible to that. That's why I think the awareness that needs to be out there to kind of counterbalance that so people can make informed decisions. And so with all that, Dr. Oliver, I, I can't tell you much. I thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you for having me as always, Jeff. My pleasure. Everyone, his uh, email address is Roberto underscore Olivardia at hms.harvard.edu. Our secret word tonight is canvas. With that, we hope you've enjoyed this edition of Attention Talk Radio. Take care.
It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.